1: Look out something that's going to get you tonight. Let's talk about the thing that's going to get you tonight. Welcome to the Happy Harvest Carve Show. <laughs>
0: Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey,
2: and I'm Brian, and this is the Happy Harvest Horror Show, where we get together and talk about all our favorite spooky things. And this this week, we are joined by a recurring guest, big fan, big friend, Connor Bryant. Welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for thanks for having me back as the resident spooky Catholic. We needed to bring you back because we are returning to our spooky Catholics theme for a discussion on Netflix's new Midnight Mass TV show from Mike Flanagan. Yeah. Uh, so any fans out there of The Haunting of Hill House and Haunting of Bly Manor? Same guy, a lot of the same team uh, shows up in yeah. this, and we're all enormous fans, right? We all loved it, right? Uh, okay. yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> What if I was just like, actually, I, um, no big, big fan. Also, if you've been with us for a while or, or if you've gone into the archives, we did along with Connor, a two part, why growing up Catholic makes you spooky episode. And this just feels like a natural third part. Yeah. Um, as it really, I think I think captured the hearts and minds of every spooky Catholic out there. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, we
2: were we were yeah. teed up and ready to go for this show. Like, yeah, home run, home run, yeah.
0: home run, one hundred percent. Like, like beyond home run. Like, I really, yeah, I feel like I'm just going to kind of be gushing about this show, this whole episode because yeah. I, everyone I talk to, like people I don't even know very well, I'm like, have you watched Midnight Mass? <laughs> I feel like it's just such an important show and it's so good. I'm just like, everyone, please watch it.
2: And I was just talking (laughs) to a friend last night about it and it's so fun to read everyone's takeaways of it because everyone has a new or a different idea of what it means and what the show is. It's like, it's a story of this. It's a story of this. I'm like, man, hell of a show if everyone can get something different from it. Um, Yeah, Yeah,
0: totally. 100%. 100%. I know just like for me... And this also kind of connects back to one of our fairly recent episodes where we did the episode on The Conjuring universe. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like came down on The Conjuring a little bit because it's basically in a lot of ways what I don't want from Catholic horror, especially the most recent one. And then Midnight Mass just showed up and it was like everything I do want from Catholic horror. And I, I was just like, this is what I needed. This is what I was waiting for. It just like hit all the right buttons.
2: Really showed up, really knew what the assignment was, you know, really.
0: <laughs> Did the extra
2: credit even. <laughs> Turned Didn't it you in need early. to go that hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, for real, for real. It's, yeah, just so good. Um, where should we start? Should we just like round robin like our first thoughts, like our first reactions?
2: or? I'd love to do that. Could we, right before we get into this, because I think it's going to be a fun conversation, I'd love just to take a second to thank our supporters because it's been a minute since we've recorded. You know, it's been a a few weeks since we've thanked you all. So I just wanted to say thank you to our 17 supporters. Holy.
0: Oh,
1: hell yeah.
2: Oh my (laughs) gosh. Uh, Thank you all. We've got Jenny, Julia, Alicia, Kelsey, Connor, Erica, Jody, Wendy, Morgan, Sarah, Michelle, Mackie, Jennifer, Sarah, Aaron, and Holly. Woo! Thank woo, you. Woo, woo. Yay! Thank you all so much for supporting us every month. Uh it's amazing, keeps us going. We're, you know, we're in nearing the conclusion of the spooky season uh for everybody else, but we're a year-round podcast. So, thanks for, for helping us out. And if you'd like to join this awesome spooky coven of supporters, you can go to anchor.fm/hhhs/support and supporting at any level gets you into our book club. Woo! We have a fun book club this week where we were reading The My Heart is a Chainsaw, the new book by Stephen Graham Jones. I'm excited to talk about that. But by the time this is out, we'll probably already have done that. So <laughs> hop on in and see what the next book is. You can follow our Instagram at Happy Harvest Horror Show um, or send us an email at Show at gmail.com with any thoughts or books to hope to read, any topic ideas you'd like. I think that about covers it. Thank you all so much.
0: Thank you. We appreciate you. So glad that you're here um book club super fun so yeah ch- check it out we'd love to hang out with uh more of our supporters for
2: sure it's great it's a fun in addition to being a book club it's a fun like check-in every month you know like mm-hmm. how's everyone's spooky month been
0: yes and speaking of that i was i'm so excited to talk about midnight mass i almost forgot our our typical opening oh
2: yeah which is oh how yeah.
0: spooky was your week
2: oh, gosh <laughs> we're throwing everybody off today we don't even I, know <laughs> well, let's start um, with you, Corey, because you—you know in the spooky mountains and the spooky season. How spooky was your week?
0: Um, that's a good question. Um, actually, literally, so I'm I'm recording from my car, uh, in the parking lot of the Rushmore Mall in <laughs> uh, <laughs> in South Dakota. So I was like 20 minutes ago. I was in Spirit Halloween. So that was pretty fun. So you're
2: fresh, hot off the yeah. Hot off the <laughs>
0: fresh fresh in spirit halloween um honestly they're they're pretty low on inventory right now because which makes sense we're pretty close to halloween but still some good stuff in there always always love the vibe the weird i don't know just the weird corporate halloween vibe like something about it Uh, yeah.
2: I love, right. I love all the costumes too that can't legally use the name of what costume oh, yeah. they are. Yes, like yes. my favorite is the the Beetlejuice one and they just call it Juice Demon. Um oh. <laughs> I like
3: the
0: Oh my uh, god, I'm going to change my Instagram Instagram handle to Juice Demon. Juice Demon. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible.
3: <laughs> I like all the Disney ones that they can't say, like the Cruella costumes just say like mean dog lady. <laughs>
2: that's <laughs> it oh spirit we don't deserve you oh, oh
0: so good so good um yeah so it was just in spirit um and also just walking around the mall you know they got they got the pumpkins they got you know the whole yeah, capitalism and halloween like go hand in hand so um and then uh yesterday as i mentioned in the in our last episode i Uh, have been working at a lodge that is supposed to be haunted. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and so yesterday we had our big closing party, um, which meant we drank all of the alcohol that had been opened because, like, you can't save that until next year. (laughs) So I definitely just drunkenly wandered up to the third floor, which is where it's, like, supposed to be haunted. Um, I took video footage, too, so I might make, like, a TikTok or something. But I just sat up there by myself for like a good long time, <laughs> like <laughs> like waiting for this like little ghost to show up. She didn't show up. It was spooky, regardless, though. Like it was just like like just this dark hallway, like shining vibes, and um, and all I could hear was a buzzing of like some flies that got caught in a light. <laughs> nice. It, yeah yeah so it was definitely spooky but i did not i did not see the ghost unfortunately um but yeah check out our tiktok i think i'll probably make a fun little video out of that so that's been that's been my spooky week
2: all right right that's good that's good stuff connor <laughs> connor how uh, spooky is your week been? it was pretty spooky i uh
3: well i finally watched halloween kills woo! so so that was very spooky um but I recently, in the past week, I think twice, I've played the the board game Betrayal at House on the Hill. Oh, that's such a fun game. Such a fun game. And it's so much fun to play with people who have never played before. And I think the best way is when you've never played before and you end up being the traitor. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. the perfect introduction. And that's exactly what happened this week when... Um, when we played and so that was a lot of fun and also i happen to be in ashland oregon right now which is this idyllic um town in the rogue valley it's the home of the oregon shakespeare festival and my uh college southern oregon university and it is just gorgeous this time of year but it is so poorly lit at night and i was driving home at night and i was like this is why has no one ever filmed a Halloween movie here? Because it is so spooky. The trees are so beautiful and autumnal, you know, there's all the beautiful gold and, and red and orange and everything, but there's, there's no streetlights in any of these neighborhoods. And I could just imagine those reflective eyes from the angel in midnight mass popping up, <laughs> like just seeing Michael Myers standing under the one street light. That's like yards and yards away. Um, So that felt very, very spooky. So that was
2: fun. That's beautiful. Yeah.
0: I'm loving, I'm loving all these like real life spooky encounters.
2: For real. Like, For real. Yeah.
0: And stuff. How about you, Brian? How spooky yeah. was your week?
2: My week was pretty spooky. You know, it's always I, mean, I, like, to, <laughs> I like to keep it spooky <laughs> around here, you know what I mean? I, I last week I was actually in Los Angeles. Uh was that the, the book signing of uh Friends uh, we had on the podcast a few weeks ago, uh Meg and uh, Kelly, their new book, Dark Delicacies. Oh. I got to pick up their new book. Uh, it's in stores now. If you guys you wanted to pick it up, Science's Hero Killers. I also went to Halloween Horror Nights there. I did a lot of spooky stuff there. Great, to- great being back uh, with all the haunts, all the spooky mazes. Um, there was a Haunting of Hill House maze this year, which was very Ooh. cool. Very cool. My highlight there was a room where you're walking through and you walk into the children's bedroom, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. with their sleeve, the two kids, and big, tall ceilings, like long hallways. There's totally a vibe in this one versus like jump out scares. It's just you're walking through a spooky haunted house. And when you walk into this room, they have the tall man in there with the bowler hat and he's on stilts and so like super tall and he just comes around a corner and it was less of a jump scare and more of like a oh shit you know (laughs) uh that was a highlight of like i did not expect the like an actual giant tall man to come around um (laughs) who spooked um that was cool we also went to this really neat sort of uh more of a performance um, of it was called it's alive. And it was a immersive Frankenstein story uh, where we joined Mary Shelley and kind of piece together the like creation of Frankenstein and you help her create like this Frankenstein's monster of a story with her. And it was all in a mausoleum at night. So they turned off all the lights and we were walking around, you know, like the marble floors of this mausoleum hearing Mary Shelley's story um, and that was a to go back to your story, Corey. I was like, "Come on, ghost! If there's gonna be a time,
0: you know? <laughs> to be a time." Now is the time.
2: <laughs> so, well, I mean, the ghost yeah. of Mary Shelley show up in Los Angeles. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was waiting. She never did. I was hoping at the end because we got separated a lot. There was like a kind of like a sleep no more thing where they split you up hmm. and. Um, I got a lot of one-on-ones with the actors and whatnot. I really hoped at the end when we came back together and talked about our experiences where I'm like, yeah, I talked to this person the whole time. And they're like, Brian, there was no person. <laughs> <You> were... <laughs> that woman was never in the play. Who were you talking to? <laughs> uh, but that was that was fun. I guess the last thing I had was Halloween Kills. We had to wait a whole extra year for it. I was crazy hyped for it. Uh, didn't quite live up. <laughs> <laughs> what i wanted but mm-hmm. it's a wild bonkers movie it's really strange but you know it's always good to get more michael myers halloween forever you know what i mean
0: mm-hmm. um, i um yeah i i do definitely need to need to see that did you see i posted a tiktok of just an account that i really like um where he was like it was it was about halloween kills and michael myers and he was like i hate to be this guy But Michael Myers, you need to get a job.
2: (laughs) Oh yes, you've been doing this for too long.
0: (laughs) Uh, I was like, for real.
1: (laughs) I saw this
2: other like tweet that was like uh, in the audience for Halloween Twelve, which is Halloween Kills. Someone (laughs) in front of them says during the previews, "Man, do we really need another Scream movie?" (laughs) <laughs> as bond 25 plays next door you know like, oh,
1: oh,
2: like my God. <laughs> we need a fifth scream movie <laughs> <watching> halloween Twelve.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: well yeah man it's a spooky season great spooky weeks this will probably be our uh our last episode before halloween we'll get more obviously year-round spooky ones but happy halloween early everybody yeah happy halloween yeah. y'all now, should we get into topic of the show? Let's do it. We Round should probably table. do that. Roundtable discussion. Let's fire it off. Midnight <laughs> mass.
0: <laughs> Man. Man.
2: Speaking in tongues.
0: Wants, Here we go. Who wants <laughs> to start?
2: Uh, Connor, do you want to start? Sure. Yeah. Oh, but where should I start?
3: There's just so much to talk about. There and really is. I th- I think I watched it. I think I watched one episode a night like over the course of seven days, which I don't know how I had the the willpower to do that. No, um, right. Man, I had actually, binge I, it. I, I think at the end, I think maybe probably after episode four or five, I think I, I binged the rest of it. That could be, it's been a month now. I just looked at the calendar and thought, oh my gosh, that show came out a month ago. Um, I loved it so much. And it is the only show that has ever like truly given me a crisis of faith. Ooh.
0: Oh right! Oh, all the n- crisis of faith.
3: <laughs> and and I was not expecting that at all, but I was unnerved in so many ways that that felt so personal and not like oh this is what the show is trying to do to you. It's just like oh no this is what the show is just doing to me specifically, which doesn't happen very often. But I it, I remember Brian, I texted you I think it, it, really early on as I was watching it, and I said something like this better be Salem's Lot on an island. <laughs> Because and I what was like, like
2: <laughs> Salem's Lot on an island. And then it delivered pretty much.
0: Yeah, it did. Um, it really did.
2: <laughs> and then that was before yeah. the reveal, too. So I was like, oh, I it, don't want to say anything because it's was, exactly what it, it will be. <laughs> yeah,
3: there was no there was no hint of vampirism at all. It was just like this feels a little Salem's Lottie. It feels a little Stephen King. And then the other thing I said to you too, I think probably at the end of it was Mike Flanagan does Stephen King better than Stephen King does Stephen King
0: that's such a yeah that's so real because um because you're right it is Salem's Lot on an island but I, I it's so much better than Salem's Lot <laughs> yes <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah
3: and, yeah it just doesn't get the world doesn't get too big we don't jump the shark in weird ways you know it it mm-hmm. really is um really 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 well constructed and I was I was surprised at how I mean I wasn't surprised but I was I appreciated how I was going to say thoroughly research, but Mike Flanagan, um, you know, growing up Catholic himself, probably didn't have to do a lot of research. It was just things that he knew. But it was nice to have sort of, you know, Catholic Easter eggs for the Catholic viewers. You know, like if you were paying attention, you were like, oh yeah, Father Paul, you shouldn't be in that colored chasuble. What's going on? Mm -hmm. And then to have you know to have Bev point that out, you're like, okay, I'm rewarding me. Fucking
0: Bev, I have so much to say
3: about Bev. Absolutely. Oh my god. The most hated <laughs> character of all time. I like, know. I think, I think more than than Dolores Umbridge and Harry Potter, which I feel like is always like you can hate Voldemort, but you do hate Umbridge more, don't you? Right. Yeah, like,
0: this, yeah.
2: like you do hate Bev Keen more than anyone.
0: one hundred percent, one hundred percent.
2: I think it's worth noting before we just right away that we will fully spoil this show. We will. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> If you <laughs> haven't watched stop listening right now, go binge it. Come We're back. gonna go into it. Um, yeah. but uh so if you haven't yeah, seen it, definitely. please go see it. Uh it's wonderful. It's only seven episodes. Uh it will uh annihilate you if it, if you're like us and grew up Catholic. It will annihilate you. Um yeah, Corey, what was your takeaway from the show?
0: Oh wow. Um like I said, in a big way, it was just everything I wanted from Catholic Horror because it took it it took it in just a such a uh, um, a much more thoughtful direction mm-hmm. than the very black and white Catholic horror that we see, you know, the good versus evil, the like, like I said, kind of the stuff that I was criticizing with The Conjuring. It really, it went that super nuanced direction that I wanted that really like picked apart at all the complications of both faith And as well as like Catholicism, Christianity as a power structure, Mm -hmm. like all of these just like little nuanced takes that take you on this ride of like, it's just, it's never as easy as like, like no character is fully evil. And there isn't a single character that isn't at least a little bit redeemable, you know, Um, and (laughs) <laughs> well, even, I mean, even Bev, there is, so the thing with Bev, I mean, I totally agree. Obviously, Bev is terrible, but also such a, such an important character. Like, oh, yeah. all I could keep thinking is like, oh, it would be so fun to play Bev. Like, that would well, be such we, a crazy we all
2: know, character. We all know Bev. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. That's what was so
3: upsetting about her is like, oh, we know that church lady. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: 100%. And I think, and this is, I guess, like big, big spoiler going straight to the end. But um, even Bev, like there is that moment, though, at the very, very end where it becomes entirely clear that everything that Bev has done, everything that makes her shitty is because she's terrified to die. You yeah. know, like yeah. she has not accepted death in any way. Um, and she hides behind her face, which is a very common thing. Right. A lot of people um, attach to face purely out of fear of death. Um, And that's and that's why we know Bev Keynes in our real life. Right. And yeah. I think just having that one simple moment at the very end of the show where you can tell she like everyone else is accepting or not everyone, but like most people are are having these moments of acceptance and like it's actually um yeah a huge thing i love about the show is how death positive it is
1: mm-hmm.
0: um yeah. and how how beautiful it really was these like these these transformative moments of accepting you know fate and accepting death but bev fucking holds on for dear life like she cannot let go and in that moment you 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 get her a little bit you know um mm-hmm. and it kind of humanizes her and, and helps you understand why she's so fucking terrible <laughs> right, right? um and so yeah i guess i would say you know if i had to say my number one biggest takeaway like thing that i loved the most is how beautifully it uh framed death in the end, I thought was just really amazing.
2: That's funny you bring up death. Cause I think that, that was a huge takeaway for me too. Um, and it's funny that, uh, I mean, well, our law, our previous growing up Catholic makes you spooky talks. I was very much on the like, never going to church again, you know, place. Mm-hmm, and, right. and it's funny that this show kind of brought me around to the opposite way of like, kind of like accepting or, Looking in the mirror and kind of like seeing like, this is why I'm so mad at it because I felt very betrayed by it, you know, that, yeah. that, like, yeah. that like really being honest in the show kind of being a vehicle and a catalyst to do that for me. So it's like I had kind of the opposite and it was done in such a fucking beautiful way of these there were these three monologues that really did it, and they were the the two on the couch of yeah, yes. uh, what oh, happens? So what good. happens when you die? And one's coming from a Catholic standpoint, and one's coming from an atheist standpoint. And both of them are just in their own like respective ideologies. They're both so beautiful, and then at the end, um, fully spoiling, you know, uh, when you get the monologue that combines the two in an even more beautiful way. I like. I like not afraid to say that I was like sobbing watching, you know, like fully sobbing. Um,
0: Yeah. The, the final one um, where what's her name? I can't think of
3: Erin, Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When she's that, that final like death monologue, like that was just, it was just everything. And yeah, exactly. Just tears streaming down my face. And it was just so perfect and such a, yeah, such a beautiful way to frame. Like, like I'm, I mean maybe I'm just like excited and exaggerating but I feel like the way that monologue was written and the way it framed death is going to like change people's lives like I really think oh, it, yeah. it was a very transformative speech that probably made a lot click for a lot of people and that's just so beautiful and exciting for me you know that that happened in this in this horror show like in this horror series like best vehicle for that so valuable yeah exactly exactly well, yeah that is incredible
3: and i and i have to say that that the moment on the couch actually i think is where i sort of had that that crisis moment because riley's explanation which i did not expect this to to be the reaction that i had but everything that he said i just kept thinking oh he's so right yeah mm-hmm. like that like <laughs> that's it isn't it like oh and that would explain all of this other, you know, sort of miraculous, you know, stuff that happens, I was like, oh, but it really is just chemicals, isn't it? And it's and it's hallucinations, and then you just, like, return to the earth, and you keep feeding the other organisms, and there's nothing... You know, there's nothing supernatural going on. It was like that really all makes sense. And I, and I, that has never been the way that I have approached death or the afterlife or anything like that. But suddenly all of that made sense to me in a a weird, like religious experience way. It felt like I was Mm. having a religious experience, but what I was having was like an awakening to atheism, which was very, very upsetting. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And disturbed me, disturbed me throughout the rest of the show. And disturbed me <laughs> to this day. So I, I was very impressed that it was able to have that effect, but, but that's interesting, Brian, that you, that you sort of were, were you saying that you, you sort of felt like, Oh, maybe I should, not that you should reconsider, but, but you're, you weren't, you came away not feeling as
2: staunchly like, well, I'm never setting foot in a church again. Yeah. Well, cause I think it, I, I spent many a therapy session since the show <laughs> talking about this, <laughs> <but> like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> multiple sessions, but that, that it, it, I mean, especially with the use of music in the show, being all oh, church hymns that we grew up in, like, oh, uh, yeah. and, and seeing these characters go, like struggling, and it like it was a reminder that when I was young, this was a huge part of my life. You know, this was, yeah. this, I mean, this was the world. You know, and this was the afterlife too. This was everything, and 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 to be coming on the, around the other side, and and I don't know, in the show that's like very honest and like direct in its criticism, but also it's kind of like celebration of believing you know in the yes afterlife.
0: yes yes
2: uh, doing at wow. the same time that it's not making a statement that like Catholicism's bad or that atheism's bad in, in fact like the atheism's monologue I thought religious experience is like such a good way to put it because I think that I mean it was so beautifully written that I think a loft and atheist beliefs are, are are conveyed in kind of like a a pessimistic sort of like, uh, Mm -hmm.
1: um,
2: nothing matters way, nihilistic way. Mm -hmm. And and then this monologue was like, no, that is maybe the most beautiful way of putting it. Like that there is purpose to it. There is like, it's not for nothing. It's for everything, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. That's what
2: I loved about it. And so, yeah, coming back to the show and like being reminded of things that I really loved about it and like, not nostalgic about it, but like, that was, that's what I i want. When I was young, that was, I really wanted this to be uh, the answer to everything. And I believed that it was, and then growing up and, and, you know, be feeling betrayed that it wasn't. And that feeling let, let down by the leaders and people that were carrying the torch and, and educating me about it, mm-hmm. be, turning out to be something else. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm talking in circles, but the show really did make me go, this is something I really wanted and didn't turn out to be true. And so it's not that I'm I'm against Catholicism. It's like I'm really hurt by it. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think like a, a, a big thing that the, the show does very successfully and that, you know, and obviously this is a very like personal show and you're like, we're all projecting our own beliefs and experiences on it 100% so like in watching it I'm already projecting my own spirituality onto it but I think that it just did this incredibly beautiful job of expressing yeah these these spiritual experiences or spirit like just spiritual thoughts that were kind of stripping away the dogma right like it felt like a lot of the time the dogma was being criticized, and rightfully so. I, that's what we should criticize: is a lot of dogmatic thinking. But like at the end of the day, God wasn't being criticized. You know, uh, belief wasn't being
3: criticized.
0: It was
3: institutions. Yeah,
0: one hundred percent. And that's like that's like uh, a soapbox I get on a lot. Like I, I be- fully think everyone has like every person has every right to believe what they want to believe. And I think you should believe in things. I think it's a beautiful thing to believe in things, but it's the um, institution and the power and how that can go awry so quickly. And that was that was where the horror came from in the show, right? Because all of the terrible things that were happened were being... We're being justified through the lens of oh it's God oh it's God you know and uh, and that's all of history right like like the Catholic Church has done a lot of terrible things in the name of God so it was so beautiful to put that in a horror context while still not saying like you know it's bad to be Catholic or to have belief it's just it, it was more of like the unchecked dogmatic belief is where the terrible, like, cruelty comes from, you know?
3: And I, I think that what illustrates that the best is in the end when, you know, all of the citizens of Crockett Island have essentially become vampires. And you think that um, <clears throat> they don't have a choice in... yeah uh, they, they, can't, they can't control the hunger that they feel. But then you see that Riley's parents, mm-hmm.
1: that, it, that, it,
3: that it doesn't change them. And so you can sort of see you can, you can be involved in a belief system that does not turn you into, you know, a mindless sheep or whatever, who's willing Mm -hmm. to do terrible things in the name of your faith. You can still maintain your integrity and your beliefs at the same time.
0: Yeah. 100%. Now Riley's parents were, um, yeah, easily some of my favorites, just lovely, you know, just lovely people, like just the people that like warm your heart, like aside from the death monologues, um, one of the my favorite lines in the entire show was at the end where Riley's mom is talking to Bev. Yes, when I she have like walks. Yes. Yeah, when she comes out of the house to like because she she wanted to talk to Bev, and and she goes and she she goes, why does that upset you so much? The idea that God loves everyone just as much as you.
1: and you're not a good person (laughs)
0: yeah i I know that was great too but no i just like when she said that line that line made me ball too because like that fundamental idea like she still didn't even know yeah she stood there and like was like bev you're not a good person she still didn't take away from bev that like god loves her you know like she still because she fundamentally in her beliefs is like, God loves everyone. God loves my son, even though he, you know, caused a lot of pain and did something horrible. And like that, and yeah, that moment of just like standing up to Bev and her, yeah, kind of like um, vicious dogmatic way of thinking and, and really just this belief that she's better than everyone. Well, like, and
3: it, and- it, it, well it draws a really strong parallel between beliefs that are um, that are not harmful like the belief that god loves everyone is not a harmful belief but the but an inherently harmful belief would be the belief that god loves some people more than he loves others
0: mm-hmm. 100% and the amount of religious people out there that hold that belief is like staggering and unfortunate and yeah. i just i thought that was yeah just such a beautiful moment that is like i think you can take from that across like all spiritual beliefs or yeah even even sure. from an atheist perspective like it, it cuz because fundamentally saying you are not better than anyone else, which is something human beings seem to forget very easily. <laughs> mm-hmm. And right. I just, yeah, and that so it just, it was just this beautiful moment of like, really, what matters at the end of this? At the like, what matters is that we are all equal, you are no better than anyone else, and you should remember that and have compassion, even if someone did something harmful, you know,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: that that just like simple line i was just like oh yeah it it definitely it definitely hit something for sure i was like that is what it's about and also i think riley's mom really is like uh the the kind of archetype of just yeah that like of like the saint r- right like she really is a a saint of a woman that's what riley's d- dad says at one point right yeah. and she's yeah. just like she's she's the the archetype of like um, what it is to be like devout and quote good. And then Bev is like devout and like went the the other direction, you know? <laughs>
3: right. And I think another theme that is so, um, central to the, to the piece. And that also I think contributed to my crisis of faith, um, <laughs> was the idea of forgiveness. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I, and I came away with it just the thought that I kept thinking was that the only forgiveness that exists and the only forgiveness that matters is the forgiveness that we can offer to one another. And the, which totally skewed my entire uh, thinking about um, the sacrament of confession.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right
3: where you can ha- you you're supposed to be able to ha- you know with you know the priest sort of acting as an intermediary you're supposed to you know be forgiven for your sins from god and i think a, a, you know a good priest as your confessor would encourage you to actually probably apologize to people that you've actually hurt so that you are getting yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That human connection but i thought i don't is that even is that even necessary you know what what is the necessity of that because at the end of the day all all that matters is is the human to human relationships and i would think that that is what. I would hope that God wants you to apologize to your fellow man more than he wants you to apologize to him 100%. or her or they or whatever, you know? And mm-hmm. I, and I, it was, it, so every, every moment of forgiveness that came up, especially at the end when um, that kid who's who's become a vampire has killed his parents and feels so awful about it and, the, um, and talks to uh, uh, Sturge, I think, who I think mm-hmm. is the guy that like cuts the power to the island And they decide to forgive each other for the things that they did, even though they didn't hurt each other. I was like, oh, that's what it's about.
0: Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. And I think, I mean, this could go off into a a completely different conversation, but I think, yeah, there's a a bit of a um, kind of parallel to or connection to the way we think about like punishment and punishment culture. Yeah. and just the idea of like accountability processes right as opposed to like punitive like carceral punishment like
1: right.
0: like what what good does it do to you know lock away someone who has harmed someone is that better than actually creating a space of accountability between the people like the people who have actually been harmed you know um and having that be central and yeah and so i think like that um that element of like thinking about forgiveness and how forgiveness should really be. uh, Yeah. More, more so an accountability process or between actual humans, as opposed to the, the idea of having to air all of your, your dirty laundry to, to just a, a man that has been deemed important by an institution. It doesn't really make as much sense as, as trying to engage in forgiveness among people
3: yeah well i don't know what your guys's experience of confession has been like but i always
2: it was always hugely traumatic to me yeah 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) absolutely i mean it's all it was all i this is a largely a stranger you know even though i see (laughs) them yeah in mass every friday we don't have a unless you're, you know, in a small town or have a, have a relationship with your, your pastor, this is largely, this is the only time we talk is for me to tell you uh, how bad I've been, you know, that like, yeah, totally. yeah. <laughs> and that is our relationship, you know? And so that's, uh, I mean, which is, I feel like the opposite of in, what's kind of dangerous the, the show shows is like when in the AA meetings, when they have a kind of a good relationship and how, um, easy it is to buy into that and how mm-hmm. sometimes the church can and, and organized religion like that can really leech off of that in this show mm-hmm. it's a very literal way i think about with uh joe Colley in this show you know yeah. finally getting you know so we talk about forgiveness oh god yeah. um yeah. and then coming. joe collie was
0: easily one of my favorite characters oh my gosh i loved joe Cawley. robert dog?
2: oh god oh All
0: of it. fuck man I I yeah, loved that character. That character was yeah, he was he was like literally just like one of my my favorite, like if I was on that island, I'd want to hang out with Joe Collie. Like he just yeah. felt real. <laughs> like yeah. he just felt like a real person. And he did something awful, but he was a real person, you know? Yeah. Um yeah. And, and he loved was like character. one of the
2: many characters in the show, including you know, uh, Riley. That is mm-hmm. that could is punishing himself more than any uh, prison or uh, you know uh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. abandonment or, or not uh, exile ever could. You know what I mean? That like, yeah, and that was made it so fucking scary and tragic. Is when he like finally bought into the, the AA meeting and he, and he and he you know Father Paul. He's like. I'm I'm now he shows up that night and that's right. The time when father Paul needs to feed, you know? And so you see that turn of like, you said, I could come anytime to let you know. And today was just a really hard day. And to see that, like, Oh my gosh, what a fucking metaphor that like when he's at his lowest and needs the most help. And Mm -hmm. that's when the fucking, you know, pastor feeds on him, you know, like,
0: Oh, 100. That was, uh, yeah. Probably like easily one of the most like, just like gut wrenching moments in the entire series yeah. for sure like because yeah. that was just yeah that was that was fucking hard like it was just like hard to watch like it was that was rough because i was i did i just i really latched on to joe collie from the beginning and i was, like i wanted him to succeed you know, you know. Like, I, want, I wanted I know. so much for him yeah.
2: like, i mean and um, what a metaphor that is that slow death that he had because these um, these times were you know that that you buy into a place that's really Using you and, and and for something else, um, other than your own, you know, health and good. Yeah, uh, it's not a quick process. It's a slow draining. Literally, he's draining his blood, but it's a draining process. And and just, mm-hmm. I, I just think it was so smart to do it that way because it could have been just like slash throat dead, but it was like a, yeah, he was there all night. You know, <laughs> oh God, yeah, God.
0: right. Also, I mean, also like we just have to just bring up the kind Of metaphor illusion, like I mean, honestly, I am surprised that there haven't been more Catholic vampire uh movies situations. Um, well, it feels so like, on the
2: nose, right? We always make jokes about it, and, you know, growing up, but because
0: <laughs> it's literally like, yeah, like I mean, blood of Christ, and then there's the whole like, like, yeah, the the drinking of actual blood is central to Catholicism, right? And and just the 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 fundamental idea that transubstantiation is cannibalism like it is yeah. like it, it, mm-hmm. that's what it is so, like,
2: <laughs> yeah and like, you drink this and you will have eternal life like yeah literally. right like
0: there's so much like it's so clear like
2: yeah like something vampires, super actually like, is happening
0: <laughs> yeah and I was just like honestly when that turn happened in the show where I realized oh this is a vampire thing I was like of course it fucking is. Like why
3: haven't we done this before? <laughs> right. Well what I what I kept waiting for and then realized, oh, it wouldn't work in the in the way that they've set this up in the story that they're telling. Um, but I, I always thought, maybe I've brought this up before, is that if you had devout Catholic vampires attending church, if transubstantiation is real, they ought to be able to drink transubstantiated wine and that be sufficient to live on. Mm. Yes, and not have to yes. feed from people, but that only works if the rules of the world are transubstantiation is real. Um, you know that mm-hmm. that's and and obviously this wasn't that's not the story that you know Mike Flanagan was interested in telling with this, sure. but I but early on I started to wonder I was like, is that going to come? Is that going to be a part of this? And then I was like, oh no, it makes much more sense. You know, to have the vampire. Essentially, lacing the communion wine because you need everybody to turn to vampires rather than mm-hmm. right, right. You know, vampires being devout Catholics. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what if it was just this really nice ending where, like, like all of these vampires, they're just yeah, they're just really devout. They just go to church every day, and everything's all right. <laughs> like...
3: right. <laughs> I think um, another no. thing that the, the the show did that I am that I feel like never happens often enough is that it it really took the. Um, the idea of, of making evil something that was beautiful, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. oh, yeah.
3: viewing the, viewing the vampire as an angel, because if you're already coming at something from that, that religious, that faith mindset and, and, and that viewpoint, you know, that's just how you're going to make sense of it. It's it's going to make more sense to you that this is an angel, and not a vampire. And then you can look, you can look to your faith and find evidence that, you know, Bev Keen has that great, she quotes from revelation about, you know, the angels in revelation, and it makes total sense. It lines up perfectly with what this this creature is in front of her. And, you know, so often, you know, evil things are, you know, obviously terrifying and, and, you know, repulsive in some way, but I love it when they can be that, but then there are also people who are looking at it from such a different view. And the view is it's beautiful. Of course, it's (laughs) beautiful. And you would follow Mm -hmm. it to the ends of the earth. And especially because I think, you know, as, as storytellers or as actors, you know, if, if you ever have to, you know, if, if you're on that side, if you're on the quote unquote evil side, you have to think of it that way. You know, you, you yeah. can't really be thinking of it in sort of a mustache twirling way. You have to somehow, you know, change your thinking. to be like, okay, how do I make this beautiful? How do I take this awful, awful thing, but make it make sense in a way that like, not only can I justify it, but also it's beautiful. Actually. It's not just, it's not just okay. It's actually beautiful. You know, yeah. And that, and
0: that- and- that connects perfectly I think to the theme of like forgiveness and redemption too. Right. Like as human beings, we have to learn to love ourselves through all of our failings. Like you have to learn to love the part of you that did something horrible. Like you absolutely have to. And that is a very complicated nuanced thing. It's just not as easy as good and evil, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, Yeah. So that idea of, you know, finding the beauty and something that is terrifying and horrific is, I think it's saying something very interesting. uh, Yeah. About how, yeah, just like you said, how humans kind of have to like, we have to almost trick our brains into forgiving ourselves sometimes for things
2: you yeah. know yeah i think a lot of that beauty too also i mean I already mentioned the music in the show but like that oh, there's yeah. you, could, you could take it from like a mob mentality or like a a, a collective group singing something beautiful but they're they're both simultaneously there. And I think that like right before the final midnight mass, when everyone's going through the town with the uh, candles and they're all joining in this procession, all singing, Holy mm-hmm. God, we praise thy name. And it keeps building and building and like swelling to the actual mass. Like, Oh my gosh. Like my heart was like thumping, you know, like I was overwhelmed hearing this music, like, cause it's mm-hmm. so beautiful. Like church songs, they're, they're so simple in their hymns and it makes it so much like, I feel like easier to just to like, I fully get this. This is so beautiful, you know? Um, yeah. And, well, but, I wonder
3: uh, if you guys were th- were thinking as you watched it, um, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you were. W- imagining if you were on that island, what side of it you would have fallen
2: on? That's hard. I mean, this is like a... a yeah. Right? Because like, how could you not, you know, uh, accept those gifts at, at that point, right? For a lot of these, you know? that the, well, And like of versions like, of yourself too. Like I thought, right? oh, if if high school age Connor was on Crockett
3: Island... Absolutely. I'm going to be, you know, an acolyte of Bev Keen. Yeah. Unfortunately, Every,
2: Everyone around you is doing it We're right. all getting like nice, you know, that like the, the islands on a hard times, so they're not catching fish because of the oil spill that, you know, the, um, uh, what's her name in the wheelchair that, I mean, she can walk yes. now um, that like, you're seeing these miracles happen that, that uh, Riley's mother, Annie, then she can see again, you know, Ed can walk again. Like you're seeing these like, Apparent no downfall, you know things that like yeah,
3: and it and it plays it plays right into I think that desire that so many people have of like you you suddenly want your life to be meaningful and you want to be part of this epic story and you want it you know like oh oh suddenly I am integral to you know, revelation to, to transforming the world. Like what, what a gift, you know? It, yeah. It's, what again, a it, I
2: finally have again,
3: yeah. like it's the apocalypse, but you're viewing it through this beautiful lens and, and you are a key player. And I feel like so often in our lives, we feel like we're just cogs, you know? And so when you're yeah, suddenly yeah. offered the opportunity to be the protagonist, then it's very, very seductive.
2: It is interesting 100%. to see who was against it. You know, and like it was uh, yeah. Mildred was against it, and from like early on, she sees what it is. And I think that there's there's a yeah. bunch of there's a there's a level of wisdom that came with that. Oh, one hundred percent. She lived a full life, and so she can mm-hmm. see this and go, "No, I've seen enough of life to say no that this is fucking wrong." You know, this is not going to end. Also, well.
0: um, I loved, I love the sheriff, the oh, the yeah. sheriff's perspective.
1: Sheriff
0: Yes. He had like just such a great perspective because, and it was also, I think um, just a really important plot point because you do have this tension of, you know, he's not Catholic. He's, he's Muslim. Like uh, he, he is part of a different faith. And so it's really easy to just write him off as uh, he's just disregarding this because he's from a different faith or whatever. But then he has that monologue where he explains to his son like God doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. And that I think was mm-hmm. so good because it it's 100% God does not work that way. Like exactly. that is not the way it works. And that, that in itself is why honestly, I think I do think I would have been one of the skeptics. I think I probably would have been like Aaron, like, you know how she like comes back to the church and like yeah. she still believes, but she is like, uh, like realizing things don't add up and there's something going on and she's very critical. Cause I was that way as a, as a tiny Catholic, like mm-hmm. I was always kind of like, I like I'm here. And like, there are aspects of this I like, but I don't know about all this, you know? Yeah. So I do think I would be on like the skeptical side of like, and I loved, yeah, I loved that monologue by the sheriff where he was just like, "God does not work that way." Because I 100% do not think God works that way, you know. Right.
2: Right. Um,
0: and I thought that was just, yeah, that was like such a good perspective to add into the mix, you know, when everything was kind of getting crazy.
2: Yeah, that's like that second tier of like, I'm I'm on board with this until a point, right? That like, yeah, I mean, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> like,
2: uh, uh, sorry, Aaron was on that. His parents were, and Annie, you know, right when he gets to the mass we're like, we're all gonna uh, drink this vampire's angel's blood, and everyone's like, "Fucking no!" Right? You have mm-hmm. and you have to die first mm-hmm. before you can be reborn. And then you see, like, it doesn't matter if if only half of the crowd was like out of it because the, the other half was like, "No, we're fully in," and it doesn't matter. You know, um, yeah.
0: So that that scene, and this is like because this is my shit. You know, I'm like um, a low key like cult expert. Like cults are my thing, and that episode. So beautifully and intelligently oh, yeah. crafted the literally the cult mass suicide, like that's what they were doing, right yeah. like down yeah. to the cups, like that's literally like the term drinking the kool-aid like it's like yeah. that that was the illusion that was happening in that scene, and I was like, "Oh, this is so brilliant because then it poses the ever important question that a lot of people don't want to face where is the line between religion and cult?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, this is even more uncomfortable. It, yeah. Because it asks yeah, that it, question.
0: It does. It asks it very clearly, I think, as like because it's hard to say if there even is a line. And if there is, it's very thin, and it gets crossed regularly. You yeah, know, it the- was
2: yeah, it was so thin. And this one that you saw an example, right? You saw that, like here, before you all kill yourself, I'm going to show uh, we have one. You know, believer that will die to show, mm-hmm. like, to, to prove that this will work, and then it does work, and so it's much easier for people that would have been on the other side of like, I'm not going to kill myself. To then like, oh, I just saw the miracle happen. I know that yep. this is like which makes it like, is that more religion then? Or is that, you know, that like, there's less of a leap anymore Mm -hmm. of faith. It's more of a, no, this is a done deal. I'm going to drink it and I'm going to be part of this, this new wave.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and also to just that, yeah, that the fact that it was like half of the people that were ready to do it and the other half that were not like, you know, they're just like firsthand accounts of like a lot of mass cult suicides, like Jonestown specifically, like that's basically how it went down. You know, it's a lot of people forced into doing something horrific just because they're a part of this thing and it's such a big part of their identity mm-hmm. and i i do think it is a little what's sort of i guess i think it's a little irresponsible to not to think that that can't happen within the context of christianity because oh, it, right, there definitely yeah. are christian cults it definitely oh, does yeah. happen you know so i yeah i loved that they just went there with that i was like yes thank you this is a conversation like I've been wanting to have.
2: (laughs) And just as a like uh, a zoomed out, look at that scene. How how fucking horrifying. Like that was like top (laughs) tier Uh, that you spent five episodes building to this crescendo that you're like, there's this dread that really fills this whole show, but there's nothing quite horrifying happening. I mean, you get little tastes of emperism here and there and, you know, got the shack where the angel is staying, but then it like builds to this moment. And that whole episode, I was like, mouth open like this is fucking horrifying you know yeah
0: it was nuts it was nuts. nuts. <laughs>
1: I've, I've
2: seen some um, comments online going I don't know is this show horror and I'm like get the fuck out of <laughs> here are you kidding me <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: this is like what There's horror door dreams door. to be you know like uh, this yeah
0: is- totally totally I totally agree yeah this is like yeah it's truly terrifying like the dread, the dread that builds throughout the the whole thing is so much more horrifying than any jump scare. You know, it's like, it's deep. It goes deep, man.
2: (laughs) It's every step of the way that someone's helped by it or something, you know, like, you know, it's building like, this is not going to fucking end well. This is so (laughs) not good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So not good. Yeah. Um, And, and even the jump
2: scares
3: like they got me and i don't usually yeah, yeah. not my jump scares i was like don't give me those
2: those glowing eyes in the dark it's gonna freak <laughs> me out mike flanagan <laughs> with his glowing eyes man and like yeah. i'm here for it because it's this might be like the fifth project that he's used him on but they're still scary you know yeah <laughs> still, totally. I like it-
3: Sleep all the true not like that oh is yeah
2: creepy too. oh yeah there's something about you know people having you know cat eyes in the dark is like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's, yeah. that's nope. gonna be a no for me you know yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh i wanted to bring up to um when we were talking about the the angel um how just like on the pulse all of that was because like i don't know if you guys have seen this or if this is more of like um you know just being in the like kind of art history world on social media but for about for over a year now like maybe like the past two years it's been like a big meme how angels are portrayed versus like how angels are actually described in the bible oh yes mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. like kind of oh. turned into a huge meme you know like using like an image that actually represents what an angel in the bible would look like and it's terrifying it's fucking right. weird it's like, shit yeah exactly and then that's become this whole meme and i feel like it was just very very fucking smart and very on the pulse to literally like use like whether he realized he was using a meme or not like use that in this context because they're that moment that moment where um monsignor's like in the cave and like having this fucking moment and Mm -hmm. it's yeah this big like horrifying moment of of encountering a quote angel and it's like that is literally how it's described in the bible and it's also something that yeah people in contemporary consciousness are talking about you know it's been memified and so it was like right. oh this is fucking smart like because we've we've been kind of having this discussion a little bit like what would it actually be like to meet an angel? Not chill. It would not be chill. No. <laughs> like, and like,
2: just like a well-crafted ahead. version of the angel, you know, and slash the vampire that like, mm-hmm. that, I mean, the, re- the reveal happens pretty early. It's like episode three, right? That we like find out this is what's happening. It's vampires, but like, like well done for a horror show that by the end, I'm like, uh, this is what was so scary about the show and oh yeah there was this big vampire too but there's also you know <laughs> like,
0: right. yeah yeah right
2: <laughs> that wasn't that, that 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 was an early hook but that wasn't actually the the driving home fear of it well and it sort of
3: it, and also, it sort of lets you forget about it too because when when yeah. Paul, Paul brings that shipping crate on I was like there's a vampire in there and then I forgot about it and I was that, like there's oh, a
2: vampire you know, box right,
3: 100%
0: that is a box with a vampire. Yeah,
2: I'm just like I know a vampire box when I see one. <laughs> this is bonafide vampire box. That is a textbook vampire box. That is. <laughs> <sweet>. <laughs> That's uh, great
0: cuz I actually didn't catch it. I didn't put that together. And then like cuz I went through I watched it twice. And and then obviously the second time I was like, what of course that was a fucking vampire in there, but I at first the first time through I did not I don't know. It, it didn't even like stick out to me as weird. This big fucking
3: white <laughs> box. Yeah,
2: I wasn't I think clear that's it. why I was like, it's Salem's love on an island, right? <laughs> that's yeah, what it had to be. There's a vampire box. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. clear on the box, but I I, I did. I mean, this might have just been like limitations with the practical makeup, but I called that Father Paul was the older version, you know. Yeah, and, I did you know, like, too. Pretty, I did too. Pretty right away. Um, I
0: think I called that before I knew vampire stuff was going on. I, I yeah. was like, oh, shit. Yeah, he, this is it's him. Well, because they were very big in like the like he just knew so much about everybody. You oh, know? Yeah. And I was like, there's no way he just like learned all of that. Like, right. this is something else. Like, yeah, I, I assumed it was. Yeah, just like the younger version or. I don't know, he, like, ate him and, like, retained his memories or something.
2: Right, <laughs> right.
3: I'm glad that that like, ultimately made sense, because I think it was Mildred that I noticed first. I was yeah. like, is this young
2: woman playing this old lady with dementia? What's going on here? And I recognized yeah, Alex yeah. Esso, too. I was like, Alex Esso, why are you playing this old, very I old woman? <laughs> you know, like, oh, man. Uh, she's so good, though, as an actress. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. When she played uh, in Doctor Sleep.
1: In oh, yeah, yeah, she was
2: Oh, my God. Yeah. God, what a she's so good I can't I hope she gets more work in, other than just being these small character bits but she's doing yeah. it so good yeah holy shit uh we haven't really talked much about Riley or father yeah. Paul much yeah. um, I mean just mm-hmm. kind of peripherally that was kind of a shock for in a psycho way that we killed off Riley pretty yes early you know that yes. like yes
0: I remember being like oh damn because that was only like what episode four like, it, yeah, like it's pretty four? yeah oh that, yeah, yeah. And he's such, he's the first character we see. Like, he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's so integral. And then it's like, oh, he's done halfway through. Yeah, that was crazy. I thought that was a really interesting move.
3: I was more shocked when he got up off the floor, you know, when after the angel attacks him, I thought, oh, Riley's dead. And then when I was like, oh, no, he's a vampire. But I was like, you can't be sticking around. It can't, I thought, it can't be you. You can't be the one saving the yeah, day. You know? It's yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was very Game of Thrones about it. I was like, okay, anyone can die. got that (laughs) now. (laughs) Cool. Um, I will try not to invest.
0: Yeah, I did love, I mean, just the dynamic between father Paul and Riley, like another one of my favorite lines, just, you know, from like a spiritual perspective is very early on. I think it's like first episode and it's when he first quote unquote meets Riley, you know, after Mm -hmm. Riley has just come come home and they're standing outside the church and, um, and he, go, and he just calls him out. He's like, I noticed you sat back for communion. And Riley is like, I'm not really in a state of grace right now. And then Father Paul goes, turns out I'm not a lot of help to people who are in a state of grace.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I mm-hmm. thought that was just really beautiful. I was like, yeah, like that's, and then he, and then he does the, he goes on the whole thing about, you know, how that those were Jesus's favorite people too. Those are the people he called friends. And that was just like, you know, that's the part of Christianity that I like, like that's the part that like hits me. And I'm like, that's beautiful. Like, that's a great thing. Um, And so it was just kind of a really interesting moment that I think set the tone for their, yeah, very kind of crazy relationship, and, you know? And,
3: what, <laughs> and ties in beautifully to who is it at the end of the day that saves everyone? It's the Muslim, it's the lesbian, it's the, it's the victim of domestic abuse, the would be mother, Mm -hmm. it's the addict, it's the disabled, it's the children, you know, it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not anybody that you would have thought, you know, it's not anyone who's has any sort of moral righteousness about them or um, any sort of standing in the community, you know, it's, it's people who are forgotten and overlooked.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I also loved too, yeah, at the end, when Father Paul, when it all kind of finally clicks and he, he basically just like steps back from everything he's like you know he had gone from being the almost like leader of what was supposed to be this big uh religious you know second coming of christ type thing to all of a sudden just fully renouncing himself from the situation, basically, Which and is I was like, like,
2: "Oh man, what an arc for this actor!" Yeah, too. this actor yeah. fucking he was killed it. Fabulous, insane. He was fabulous, and I, yeah. I, I mean, and and what you're talking about too—that like, I this is just a well-rounded character. So exemplifies exactly what you're talking about. That like, that Father Paul knows, I think, deep in his heart that he's doing this. To help people. You know, he that's why he mm-hmm. brought it. He's like, this can be mm-hmm. such a tool. And what I love so much about this actor in the writing, and so many times when he's like talking to Riley or different people, and someone presents him with like a contradictory or new information that really challenges what his belief that like he mm-hmm. this actor that he takes a second, like in his head and like uh, reframes like, oh shit, I have to pivot here into doing it this way, you know. Um mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to explain. It. I just like this guy character is so 100% committed to what he's doing and, but is also open to receiving new information that could change his mind. That is like yeah. such a rare character that I think is, must've been so hard to do. Cause how do you fully believe in this thing? Get a like something that really fundamentally challenges it and go, Oh yeah. Okay. So that doesn't work. How do I, and to the point yeah, at the I, end where like nothing works anymore and the whole idea is flawed. And then he fully renounces it. Like, and then are-
0: and, you, and- And then I love, too, yeah, at the the very end, like, like what matters at the very end? His fucking family. You know, Mm -hmm. the woman he loved and his daughter. That's what matters at the end. Because, ultimately, that's who
3: he was doing it for.
0: Exactly. And that, like, was just so human. And I feel like, yeah, the actor's incredible. One, because I just felt like he was... I felt like he was every Catholic priest like oh, when, yeah. I was like you are such a Catholic priest like everything <laughs> about like it just fucking worked like on every level and but then I think he also the character very very much represents what I imagine you know a lot a lot of probably higher ups in the Catholic church out there what they experience in trying to be this like, you know, pillar of faith and integrity, but then also having to deal with all the terrible things that have happened within the Catholic church. And like, yeah. Well, the struggle and, must be. yeah and what the, you know, cause I'm sure, you know, as we know, there are, there are priests and, and people and higher ups in the Catholic church who maybe don't have that moral struggle, but we also know there are a lot of very, you know, good, people out there in the church that like really just care about God and care about people. And they must have this like kind of moral anguish Mm -hmm. when the Catholic church has done something terrible. And I think that that's such a, like, they, they beautifully just like wrapped that up in him, that inner turmoil that I feel like has to be very real for a lot of people in that position.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think his, his, AA sessions with Riley were also some of the highlights of the show, the back and forth of challenging those yeah. moral beliefs and seeing father Paul, you know, uh, receive in, in, this challenging information, not know how to respond, not even in, in admitting that he doesn't even know how to do it. You know, that like, I was, I don't know. It's so good. It's so fucking good. As an actor, yeah. <laughs> It was so fun to watch these actors, like really joust uh, yeah. in ways and like respond to the other person in like ways that I, uh, if I read these sides, I'd be like, "This is how you read it." And then I saw how this actor did it. I'm like, "Oh no, that's that's the only way to do it. How you did it."
0: <laughs> so, yeah, right. <laughs> that's the only way. Yeah. <laughs>
3: and I think the point that you bring up about um about Father Paul really taking in you know all of the input that he's getting and having to think about the answers that he's going to give people and and really weighing you know sort of what the right thing to say is and um you know what that person needs to hear is is the total opposite of that. Is Bev Keen, who right oh, oh, always has an answer. Oh yeah, no matter yeah. what it is, yep. she's yep. eternally able to pivot. regardless like no matter how horrible things are, she's ready with a Bible verse. And I think that's a good distinction between Father Paul is not is not a fundamentalist. You know, he's yeah he's not yeah. a zealot, yeah. and Bev is. Even though he's very devout, he's very devout, and you know, and yeah, he could yeah. go along that path, but there is there is a point where like he's not going to turn into that. Whereas that's who Bev is and has always been.
2: Yeah, and from the yeah. get go, you see them clash, and it's like a—it's it's fascinating to see too, like two yeah. opposite ends pushing this ideology. And even I feel a Paul, Father Paul may be uncomfortable that he's on the same side as Beth, you know. Yes, because you
3: think you think that she's going to be his Renfield, mm-hmm. and really she's not. I mean, I don't—it it, does. not She's more like his like, Lady
2: Macbeth in a lot of ways. You right,
3: know, like, right, yeah. I was gonna say she's she's actually Dracula, but that analogy doesn't quite work. Or,
1: <laughs> the same way, but, but the way that it sets it up,
3: you're like, oh, obviously Bev is going to be sort of the, well, Father Paul's the Renfield to the angel and Bev is sort of the Renfield to the Renfield, but
2: she's the one who ends up being the big bad at the end. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Hell of a show. Loved it so much loved. uh, There's a, there's a moment too with Riley when he's briefly a vampire and he goes through and you know, you think he like, is he going to feed on his parents when they're sleeping is what is he doing? And then you see, like, it was just like kind of like a stroll through the other side and he sees the sky and all the, the stars and there's explosions of color and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, And for him to receive all these quote unquote gifts and still be like, no, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And to, to, form this plan to get it out and for that, that boat confrontation with Aaron, which fucking haunting. Oh my God. That oh, you get yeah. this, you get this beautiful resolution when he, you know, sacrifices his life for something better. And you see the woman that's been haunting him the whole time that he ex you know, yes. and and killed. And there's like this forgiveness and there's like this purpose yeah. and this meaning and this beautiful. And then that hard fucking cut right back to reality that oh. he's burning. Um, yeah. And throughout oh, the whole yeah. credits, it's just Aaron screaming. I was watching on my computer at that point when my you know roommate's in the other room and they're like, can you turn that down? It's just screaming in the other room.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was a powerful moment. And yeah, and such a beautiful once again, very death positive, right? Such a beautiful representation of because, um, you know, the way at least the way I think about death, I know the way a lot of people have had some near-death experiences think about death is basically like at once you kind of hit that point of death it's just it's just like love you know you just Mm -hmm. feel extreme love and forgiveness right It, it just it's all released and to me that imagery with that girl you know and she's not in the horrible disfigured way that he had been imagining her every night, you know, when he went to bed, he, mm-hmm. she's full and she's there. She's and bright, she's, doesn't and she? Yeah, yeah. Doesn't she put her hand out to him? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. And it's, it, it's just this beautiful moment of like, it's, you know, it was a horrible thing, but it's, it's okay now. Like it's okay. And that I think, yeah, it's just a, a really uh, beautiful
2: illustration of that moment of death. And it's an interesting, especially after the two monologues of what happens after you die, that even in that moment, it is kind of a... Because uh, he's coming from an atheist point, that I will return to the earth and I will be sustenance for the others, and then mm-hmm. Bev or not Bev, not Bev. So not Bev. Uh, Aaron <laughs> has the the other uh, <laughs> contrasting that I will see my daughter, I will see my loved one, and they will be okay. That like even in that moment, it's almost reversed. That he sees her perspective, I'm going to see of yeah. someone that forgiving me, and then Aaron sees his perspective of he's literally ash returning to the earth, and it's like yes. Yes. um fucking like brilliant goddamn show um
0: yeah dude it's so good it's so good easily the, just like rocketed into the top of my
3: list yes. of, mm-hmm. just favorite
0: th- favorite shows of all time
3: mm-hmm. i thought one of the other most beautiful moments too that i didn't catch until after i didn't catch until i was thinking about it later was when the angel is feeding from aaron and she's taking that knife mm-hmm. and she's destroying mm-hmm. his wings. And then I thought back later, I was like, wait a minute, that's exactly what her mom did had her do to that bird. She had to clip mm-hmm. that bird's wings. Mm-hmm. It's like it all came full circle.
2: I was like, oh, beautiful. Yeah, the setup pay yeah. payoffs <laughs> in unexpected, like surprising ways. Yes. Will yeah, it's always be awesome. Yeah, it was
3: like she was using her trauma to save herself. And I was like, wow, oh, or weird. to like save other people. I was like, wow,
0: Monster. And that oh my god that goes back to exactly what we were saying like her trauma had meaning had purpose which is exactly a perfect example of that idea of like finding the beauty in the in the quote evil finding the beauty in the ugly right mm-hmm. like it doesn't mean that the the trauma wasn't trauma but like you can always find the beauty there the same way this crazy like monstrous creature was also beautiful you know
2: yeah. yeah yeah well speaking of the clipping the wings i met mean, connor and i had a brief like text back and forth about the ending like do we did the uh, whether uh, or not the vampire got away
1: no my my
2: uh, <laughs> position on it is that he didn't and he died and that's why the last line of the show is i can't feel my legs and that like the gift has been revoked
1: uh, you know Yes, yes,
2: yeah. yes, um is that that's what i took it as but I don't know. I like that. I I,
3: I think that's probably right. I think when I watched it, I was thinking, Oh, the blood has just come out, worked out of her system. She hasn't, she hasn't taken enough of it. It's not, she's not going to get to the father Paul point where he's consumed too much of it. Now it's going to kill his, his body. And then he's going to resurrect as a vampire. It's just that she's, she hasn't had that much yet. So it's just going to metabolize and she'll be okay. But I think it's probably, it probably makes much more sense that, Oh, that vampire did not make it. And yeah, Yeah,
0: no, that, that makes perfect sense because the only thing, like I was a little weird, like I didn't know how to feel about that because it felt because I, I wasn't sure. I was like, did he get away? Did he not? And then it felt like it was like setting it up for like another season, which I know they're like that's not how these shows work, you yeah, know. Right, so it yeah. was like it felt like a like like a, a a cliffhanger, you know, a setup for like more. And I was like, no, there's not gonna be more. There definitely doesn't need to be more. Like it's right. it's perfect the way it is. Um, so I, I, I didn't think of it that way, Brian, but yeah, that makes sense to me. That that was just kind of that final line was confirmation that the vampire angel creature had
2: not made it. Yeah, that's what I think so too. I mean, it's also just kind of a beautiful metaphor too, because there's there's there I you know there was some conversations online about the idea of uh yeah the ideal person is not handicapped you know and that right. uh, and for to, at the end for the last line to come back and go no it's the ideal person isn't you know um mm-hmm. not factor in exactly
0: and also i i what i did love about that moment is she she goes like i can't feel my legs and it, it's not um there's no reaction of like being upset or like horror or anything like even mm-hmm. i think What's his face? The the boy, I can't remember his name, but like oh, he just yeah. kind of looks at her like, you know, it's like surprise, but it's yeah. not like it's a it's not conveyed as a bad thing.
3: Yeah, because mm-hmm. not being able to feel your legs means you've retained your humanity.
0: Exactly, mm-hmm.
2: exactly. Mm-hmm. Wonderful show, wonderful show. Are there any? Uh, I mean, what what haven't we touched? We've been talking for an hour here, but I could talk about this show forever. We, yeah, that's the thing. We could talk about it ad nauseum. I hope they don't make another season. I think this was they, I, perfect. They won't. They won't. I mean, he. It took him ten years to make it. This. Have you seen his earlier movies like Gerald's Game and and Hush, where uh, the book has been teased. Leading I, I knew
3: about it, but I haven't seen it. The, the whole premise of Gerald's game freaks me out too much. Eventually I will probably watch it. Gerald's
2: game is wonderful, but the, yeah, the, the book Midnight Mass is sitting on a bookshelf. Right. Uh, like a mantle in that movie. And in the hush at the beginning of the movie, it's the same uh, actors of Aaron and uh, Bev. Uh, Bev is like her next door mm-hmm. neighbor. And Bev comes mm-hmm. over uh, with a copy of Midnight Mass and goes, when are you going to finish? Because I, I love Riley and Aaron's characters. Oh, oh
0: that's fun <laughs> that was
2: like i don't know what it was years ago so it's like he's been trying to get this off the ground for a long time yeah. and I'm glad it finally happened
0: yeah but i mean it's pretty clear like obviously you know there's not like there was one season of hill house one season of Bly Manor. or like it's just right. it's clear that these like I, like I brought up before, I think like last year, like it's like, it's like American horror story vibes, but like good, like it's not, <laughs> but, you know, like
2: <laughs> it jump the shark. It's not campy. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I'm excited. I mean, just anything Mike Flanagan does, I, I full in rider to eye, this guy is yeah. just can't miss. It feels like, and next he's working, mm-hmm. uh, uh, he's tackling Edgar Allan Poe on Netflix. He's going to do yeah. fall of house of usher. Yeah. So fucking can't wait, God! It's like uh, there's no one else I want to be working with, like classic literary horror, than this guy. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like,
0: totally, ah, totally. <laughs> so
2: good, and even contemporary. I mean, his Doctor Sleep, even with some I, I adored it, loved yeah, it. Yeah, again, doing Stephen King better than Stephen King. <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> oh my right? gosh, it
2: is That's wild, so real. Right. That's how, so real. How much of this felt like a Stephen King story he never wrote, you know? Mm-hmm. That there's that feel of just small town people that you wouldn't know. Um Does Stephen King I, mean, I just
3: about Midnight Mass is he like I mean, he's very generous with his praise about... Oh, he loved it. Of course, he loved it. I've
2: I've heard more from Joe Hill that was like, I was so mad watching it because I could never think of anything that good. Or like, I'm paraphrasing what he said. But like,
1: yeah,
2: yeah. the the King household, big fan of Midnight Man. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what Tabitha thinks. (laughs) (laughs) Unclear. We'll see. (laughs) Well, any final thoughts before we can wrap this up? And uh, bid everyone a happy Halloween. Guess not. All right. Happy Halloween <laughs> <to> everybody.
0: <laughs> I mean, I like there's more I could say, but I don't want to like, you know, go on other tangents and Honestly. like open up new cans of worms. I'm trying to just like I mean, it's just it's just incredible. I think it's I think it's a um such a valuable uh show for anyone for en- like no matter where you are on the spectrum of like spirituality and religious belief, like this show will Get your gears turning about your own like relationship to like spirit, God, whatever, your religion. Yeah. And uh it's super it's just super valuable. Or where I'm glad it, on it the exists. Spectrum,
3: or where you are on the spectrum of uh of just uh horror content. You know, if you're if you're not somebody who regularly you know, watches horror things or, you know, movies or, or reads books or whatever. I think it's a good introduction, you know, if somebody wants to sort of dip their toes in because there is so much to offer and it's not scary
2: in a traditional sense. Most of the time. Mm-hmm, totally. yeah, I think, I think Mike Flanagan really thrives in that space and it's, it's pretty accessible, but there's a lot yes. to, there's a wealth there uh, are bounty that you can feed from it You know, I thought that mm-hmm. with like Hill House and Blind Manor That like, as far as Scare factors go, I think they're rather tame But as far as like true terror and like big ideas go it's there all of them have some pretty gnarly stuff Um, yeah
0: totally and this is no
2: different and so yeah i mean bringing this back to this is a spooky catholics part three i think that that this show uh, you're primed if you grew up catholic there's a lot you can really pull from this like complicated uh feelings of you know organized religion you know taking advantage of people that are at their lowest there's you know um the hymns that you grew up using being a vehicle for as on the surface beautiful but also like knowing it's coming and being used in a horrible way you know like there's Mm -hmm. so much here that if you if you were a fan and got a lot because we've heard a lot of i think that spooky catholics part one and two is the 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 episodes we've heard the most from listeners yeah which has been really fun oh yeah we yeah
0: people people love those man like and (laughs) there's a lot of spooky catholics out there oh, that uh squeaky, that squeaky
2: oh yeah <laughs> so if you uh if you got a uh if you haven't seen the show and you've gotten this far into the podcast without watching the show <laughs> uh, um, fucking go get out of here <laughs> leave now
0: leave oh, go man. watch it <laughs> But yeah, great combo. You know, I hope I hope I, I think this should just be a reoccurring segment. We'll just keep bringing spooky Catholics back, and
3: yeah, oh. um, as long as there's because- more spooky Catholic content will yeah
2: i think, yeah. There will be. I don't I know think war is gonna stop anytime soon yeah i think it might be fun to do um on the holy days of obligation we'll come together and like talk about
1: you know <laughs> the holy days of yeah,
2: exactly and yes! like,
1: oh, we're going
2: days of obligation we're leaving the Halloween season uh according to the calendar uh, but we are uh <laughs> <laughs> whatever but uh christmas is coming up and we all you know a lot of christmas war right. that like we could really dive into that because there's a lot of
3: Lots haunting. of ghost stories a lot
2: yeah. of christmas ghost stories we could we could really tackle but um so if uh, i, you know, I seems- was
0: thinking my mind went straight to like easter season like oh. really getting into that so oh, we'll like there. i mean ash wednesday like for sure. resurrection do a
2: full whole zombie
0: jesus like yeah, there's there's that. a lot there
2: an absolute full horror segment on um, religion and oh man that'd yeah. be so good Um, but yeah, any listeners out there that, uh, uh, wrote in or, or also, you know, grew up Catholic that had maybe different reactions to the show or, or just loved it as much. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to always hear from you. And you can email us happy harvest horror show at gmail.com or on Instagram, happy harvest horror show, spooky Catholics, spooky Catholics, have a
0: blessed Halloween, everyone.
2: Yes. Yeah, and we'll uh we'll see you. we'll see you very soon for some. Uh, the harvest season isn't quite over yet.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's true.
2: All right, there's we'll still it. still
0: plenty of pumpkins to carve and gourds to decorate with.
2: Absolutely, you know the Michael's collection hasn't gone away yet. We still have. Uh, <laughs> we still true. have autumnal uh, oh. leaves. The hay bales still apply for November. Um. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> um yeah so we'll catch you next time thanks Connor for joining us you're always welcome especially oh I'm so going.
3: happy to be back it's such a pleasure always
2: thank you for having me absolutely and we'll catch you next time bye everybody bye, bye.